Welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, where I interview the absolute best health and wellness practitioners from across the globe to show you what they do so that you can do it too. This is because, like you, I did not always feel that health was easy. I had tried different diets, countless exercise plans, but often felt misled by an industry that thrives on you not really getting healthy and always spending money on the next new thing. Because of this, I'm getting bare naked on health and pulling back the curtain to show you that being truly healthy is simple. Wherever you are in your health journey, I want to show you that with minimal effort, you can get maximum results and do what you love, play with your kids, go for a hike, and crush it in your business all while feeling great. To give you a kickstart, I encourage you to go over to BarenakedHealthPodcast.com to get the top 10 world-class nutrition tips from the experts that have been on the show, and you will see what simple health can be. Hey guys, I'm your host, Nick Horowski, and welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, episode number 66. In today's episode, I interview optimal health and performance extraordinaire, Jason Prawl. Be sure to stick around for the end of the episode to learn about sleep for anti-aging, what Jason loves most about nature, as well as the truth behind the quote, let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. Alrighty, guys, on the line today with another episode of the Bare Naked Health Podcast, I have Jason Paul. Jason, first question that I ask everybody who comes on the show is, tell us about your health journey in 10 sentences or less. Oh, 10 sentences. Um, my health journey started at, at age 13. I had a joint pain that the doctors couldn't figure out. Um, that lasted me for, uh, man, probably really... 13, 14 years consistently before it started to kind of hit the decline. Um, I was an athlete, and uh, it affected my my every day. Um, I was constantly in pain, and it was um, it was frustrating to say the least. But it gave me sort of my first intro into the idea that allopathic medicine was never going to be able to help fix it because it was it, it, they were not looking at the problem as it really stood. They were not getting down to the root. Um, and then in college, I actually had a, I had a, something called seborrheic dermatitis, which is essentially dandruff on your face, uh, which, you know, in college, that's a pretty socially debilitating condition. Um, yeah, for sure. And, and, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, something that, and you can look up pictures, but essentially it's, it's uh, a flaky, oily kind of uh, skin condition that you can, you can noticeably see, um, you know, when it would peel, it would be very red. If not, it would be scaly and kind of just gross. Um, I remember actually being on the football field in college, and I took off my helmet. And, uh, you know, you're all sweaty, of course. And and my skin was kind of waterlogged, if you will. And I remember kind of just scraping my forehead, and it was like scraping wet newspaper off of glass. Um, I just... I had a, uh, scraped off a ton of skin, and I just kind of threw it to the ground. Um, that was that was tough, and the dermatologist couldn't figure out what was going on. They, they gave me the standard treatment. Nothing worked. And that ultimately led me to uh, coming to the conclusion that I had to figure it out myself because there wasn't, um, at that time, I couldn't figure out a way to get access to somebody who could help solve that problem. I mean, this is 1999, 2000, so the Internet was still pretty pretty raw and it's hard to <laughs> look things up um as weird as that is to say but it, it was i mean you were still using uh aol you know and all this stuff but um that's where really where it started and that was me figuring out what i needed to do and um i started removing chemicals started going organic back when it was weird to do organic um and and that kind of that was my platform and and from then on out it just uh my journey has accelerated and, and led me to the place where I am today, which is kind of doing the anti-aging performance and optimal health side of, of the sort of health practice. So where on that journey, uh, I, I shouldn't say where, what on that journey are you really uh, into right now? Like what are some maybe the changes that you're making still to this day to just hit that uh, up 
epitome of health, if you will. Yeah, and, and that's a really good question because there's there's so many levels and so many different um, avenues of, of health practice these days. And for me, it started off, you know, as an athlete, I was doing the fitness side of things. I recognized that people in the fitness world were consuming all these, you know, blue drinks and crazy supplements and, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, it's basically chemicals in a bottle, right, and chemicals in a can. I'm going, what the heck? So uh, that was sort of from the from the fitness side of things to the nutrition side of things, you know, nutrition for athletes. Then I got to the more functional nutrition side of things, helping people with chronic diseases, um, you know, digestive conditions, skin conditions, uh, you know, PCOS, all these things that we see these days. Uh, and so I was in sort of a functional mindset of nutrition and, and trying to get down to the root uh, cause of, of these things and then um, work my way into functional medicine. Um, and even though I was not, I'm still non-licensed, I was practicing sort of the functional medicine model, which which is sort of looking at uh, diseases or dysfunctions and trying to understand really where they're coming from, right? So getting down to the root cause of things. So really asking why something's happening, where it's coming from, what are the imbalances um, to really resolve the diseases. And then what I realized um, was that was not, that was still looking at disease, right? It was still looking mm-hmm. at disease, even though it was coming from a functional mindset, which was a, a great approach and, and I'm not totally a, a fan of, I was still looking at disease. And what I realized is that there's not a lot of people out there looking at health, right? And for me, that was that was fundamental because health is health is health is health. Um, doesn't matter the disease, right? And so now when I get clients and I work with clients, I focus on delivering health and teaching people where health comes from, how to deliver that. And you, you, generally, if you can deliver health, that's basically the absence of disease. So... Um, there are certain things about disease and dysfunction that you need to navigate a little differently. But um, working the health side, I found, is extremely important. So, so in my own life, that's really where where I spend most of my time is understanding health, understanding uh, longevity, anti-aging, these type of things. Because to me, that's where you're going to find the most benefit. It's not in trying to navigate disease, right? It's not in trying to suppress things trying to remove foods, trying to, um, you know, constantly guard against or protect against. It's, it's very much a different mindset. And so a lot of my things are getting back out to nature, right, getting outside, um, calming things down, relieving stress, basically integrating with the things that we have, that, that, our, that our bodies, our biology has come to recognize as, as, as healthy and integrative in our own uh, environment. So to me, that's what it's about. It's about understanding your environment, understanding your, you know, or how our genome has developed. So there's always this um, viewpoint uh, from, from the past, right? You've got to take that, uh, you've got to understand how things were, you know, a thousand years ago, how, how they were 10,000 years ago, how, how they were, 500,000 years ago, right? We've got to understand how the human genome developed. And that's important because we start to recognize things. We start to look at things a little differently. Things like bacteria, viruses, fungi, uh, yeasts, right? A lot of people consider all these things as detrimental to human health. And I actually take the opposite approach. I think we are, uh, bacteria is now one that we are starting to understand, right? People are accepting the probiotic role of, of our health. But even things like viruses, you know, we we rely on viruses. We need them. Um, so, so that's really what what I spend my time doing is trying to integrate with what our biology and our genome has come to recognize as as health. Um, and that's a big practice, but at the same time, it's very simple. It really is, a, you know, all the things that you talk about and you promote, getting back outside and getting in touch with nature. So, Jason, I have two questions off of that. Um, because I, you said, like, again, health and environment kept coming up. So I'm curious to know, like, what would almost be just your your personal definition of health, like, for, more for you? Because, again, I think that's going to change depending on the person. But also, how do you, uh, speaking of the environment, that how do you blend, like, being able to live in a modern environment? Because, well, without just going and living 
out in the woods uh, completely by yourself, you're going to blend that, especially with your business, everything there. But how do you blend uh, maybe that current day with a thousand, a hundred thousand, five hundred thousand years ago? Yeah, yeah, and, and that's a tough one right now, right? I mean, we, uh, the 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 way we've set up our environments are nothing like um, what our genome is seeing, right? So um, it is a tough thing to do, um, and especially for the average person. I mean, so, some some people are fortunate enough they can run their own business. They have uh, whatever the case is, they have the ability to, to to sort of have a little bit more freedom in that regard. But mm-hmm. um, for most of us, you know, we're working inside all day, right, and we're under – crazy artificial lighting and we're in this sort of cave-like environment almost. Um, the, the, the key really is to get outside when you can. I mean, as simple as that is. So um, I don't care if you're in Minneapolis, Minnesota in the middle of winter or if you're in Miami, Florida in the middle of summer or what have you. We need to get outside. Our, our, that It's critical, right? We, we respond to the cold. We respond to um, the heat, to the light to the the air environment to to the soil we need these things that are in our in our lives so you know i think you can go back to even things like childhood and and that type of thing the more kids can get around and play in the dirt play in the mud and and do all that kind of stuff the better their health will become um as as an adult all that is very very important um integrating with our natural environment um our microbiome our skin microbiome, right? So our gut and our skin microbiome are dependent on our local environment. So eating foods um, from our area is a very good thing. If you can get locally sourced honey or bee pollen or um, you can grow your own vegetables um, or you have fruit near you, um, even if it's something as simple as that, you know, buying from your um, your local co- uh, you know, co-ops and, and these type of things that have local growers, um, as simple as that is, that is getting in touch with your local environment. And so that is important. Um, but, you know, in the morning, the, one of the most profound things you can do for your health is just get up, get outside and go for a five or ten minute walk outside. Um, get your eyes uh, accustomed to that light. So we need we need that light. We're very, very responsive to light, that circadian rhythm. And if you can get outside in the first first half an hour within waking up, um, just go outside and get that natural light in your eyes. You know, no contacts, no no glasses, no sunglasses, definitely. Um, and and getting trained to your local lighting cycle. So, um, you know, it's whatever you can do. That that's really the key, and it's, it's understanding that that is an important thing, even if it's for an hour a day. Um, however, you can get outside, you need to. So, what is the most beautiful thing that you find in nature? I think it's it's kind of all beautiful. I, I think I think just a natural environment. Um, I, I I live in Los Angeles now and well, Santa Monica, and you know I love the beach and that kind of thing. Um, but to be honest, there's not a there's not a ton of natural environment that I get to experience every day. Um, most of it's uh, sort of a fake facade that, uh, that the city has, has developed over time. But when I go into the Santa Monica Mountains, for example or up in the Malibu, um, you know, it, 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 the natural environment is just an amazing place to be around. It's got a different energy. Um, I come, I, I was born in, in Olympia, Washington, and so the, the Pacific Northwest, um, particularly out on the Olympic Peninsula, um, man, some of the most beautiful um, forest, rainforest you've ever seen um, out there. So, you know, all, all the hiking. I, I, I like getting elevated. Um, so a lot of hiking um, yeah. and uh, and seeing water uh, from above. Uh, for whatever reason, you know, those those elevated views. Um, to me, it's a little bit of work, and I think that's that's part of of what adds to the value. But um, you know, I think it also puts things in perspective, right? So whenever I can get up and do a hike or climb something or get up high in nature, um, really shows that amazing landscape and that beautiful perspective. All those mountains that we have up there, I mean, that, that I do miss that a lot, uh, getting up in the mountains. So I have to say, yeah, getting getting up high in the mountains and, and, uh, and looking down on on uh, on the natural landscape. That sounds like a great view right there. <laughs> uh, so even going more into nature, I guess, so the, the name of your company, um, 
Talix Performance, correct? Or I'm not yeah. sure how to say that. Yeah, 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 yeah. My my sort of my health practice is Calix Performance. Um, that's that's really kind of um, sort of my the business end of things. I mean, I have a my website is jasonperl.com, and that's where I provide a, a lot of the info, my podcasts and blogs and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But my my health practice is Calix Performance. Yes. Now, that was and I, and I looked at the description a little bit, and it said it's Calix is actually part of the flower, correct? Yeah, yeah. So it was a sort of an intentional name, obviously. Um, the calyx is the supporting part um, of a budding flower. So it's it's sort of a strong um, yet very uh, sort of supportive structure uh, of the flower, and and um, that's 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 it was intentional, absolutely. Well, I'm curious then too to know uh, what's what's your favorite flower. Oh man, I'm not a flower guy. Uh, I, I didn't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Oh man, I have no idea. Well, okay. Well, we've got a lot of um, uh, the bird of paradise, right? So those those are common actually around here in in, in Los okay. Angeles. We have a lot of those. So birds of paradise is a pretty cool flower that I, that I enjoy seeing uh, around around town. I like it. I like. It. I'm gonna have to check that out. See see what uh see what that looks like then too. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, you'll see it in Hawaii too, and in tropical places. It's uh, it's pretty tough to be. Very nice. Uh, so, Jason, I want to get back to even a little bit on the anti-aging because, I mean, for me, performance is great. Uh, I enjoy that, but like, I think you said one thing before where like anti-aging, optimal health, like they almost come together because if you're living the healthiest you can, I mean, that's just going to help to uh, expand your lifespan, but also give you that quality of life as you age. Do you have any, or what is your practice, uh, your, like your personal practice for uh, optimal health? I mean, we talk about the getting in nature, like some of the eating some of the local foods, but I'm, I'm curious more as far as like uh, daily rhythms, like how you set up your day besides maybe just that first thing outside in the morning. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, sort of, from that standpoint, you know, getting outside in the morning is very, very important. And the reason is, is because that daylight you can get in your directly into your eye actually sets the circadian rhythm in your brain. Okay, so the reason that's important is because that's going to uh, basically set your hormonal rhythms throughout the day. And so we we we, we produce uh, hormones at different parts of the day. Even things like zinc uh, is controlled by uh, circadian rhythm. So there's a lot of things that go on inside our physiology according to our daily rhythm. And if that's off, it's going to manifest in a lot of detrimental ways inside the body at the cellular level. So so that's actually really key to get out in the in the morning. Um, that morning daylight, it doesn't have to be a ton of sun, just morning daylight actually will help you produce melatonin at night as well. So it will help you sleep. One of the things that you can do to get better sleep is to get that daylight in the morning, 15 minutes. So it's critical to do that. Um, that is, when I work with people, it, that's non-negotiable. I don't care what dysfunction you're you're dealing with, that is a must. Um, and so, so that's key. And, and the reason it's so key is, is is not only the things that happen during the day, but at night. Sleeping is the most important anti-aging thing that you can do with your day. So strictly from a functional standpoint, sleep is is critical. That's where that's where all the you know, the garbage gets taken out, the recycling takes place, right? Like we, our cells recycle at night, and that's when we clean up a lot of the, the damage. Um, we, that's where we do all our repair. All the good things happen at night when you sleep, but you have to be sleeping well. There's a there's a functional aspect of sleeping. It's not just closing your eyes, right? And, and some people understand that immediately when they wake up and they're still tired. Even though they slept, they're still exhausted. That's a sign of of poor functioning sleep, and so, um, so everything. If you're not if you're not getting your sleep down, then then you're missing out. That's there's going to be suboptimal function, um, and you're you're not going to be able to recover from whatever dysfunction you're trying to to recover from. So getting your sleep down is very very important, and you you can't use things like magnesium um, and some of these melatonin, I mean, that's it's not going to work. Um, you have to do it from uh, sort of a real standpoint. So so those are critical things. Um, personally, I, I, I enjoy meditation. Um, I think it's a, 
for, it wasn't always that way for me. So I understand the people that go, oh, God, not this again, right? We're hearing this more and more <laughs> meditation, right? How important it is and how many people are doing it. And um, I've been there where you kind of go, oh, man, I just can't do it. You know, you're, like, you're lucky if you can do it for 10 or 15 minutes and you're still like, okay, I don't know what just happened. That's okay. Like there's no real massive point to meditation. You're not going to necessarily get enlightened. You're not going to come out of it thinking, oh, my gosh, life has changed. The point is to just sit there and breathe. Your mind's going to hit and it's going to race and there's going to be things that pop up. That's okay. I just let them go. The point is to just sit there, right? And in our society today, it's more important now than ever before just to sit and do nothing. And there's a lot of people out there probably shaking their heads right now going, I, I've got kids, I've got you know things to do, I've got emails, I've got phone calls, I've got whatever going on. And I, I understand that. But if you can take five or ten minutes just to sit and do nothing once or twice a day, it, it, it's, it can be very, very profound. Um, we need to turn on that parasympathetic uh, nervous system. We need to get that functioning. We, it's, it's vital, um, that rest and digest. Um, so, so I think anything you can do there, and it can be a five-minute, you know, journal entry. It can be a gratitude practice. It can be, it can be anything you want. But any sort of meditative calming practice, I think, is critical for uh, integrating into your day. Um, but beyond that, um, it, it, to me, it's it's about going through your day with the mindset of of everything that I'm going to do is going to be sort of better for my health. And, and it's a it's a mindset shift that you get into. Um, so for me, it's I kind of asking myself all, all day: is this you know is this is this something good for my health? Um, health is a daily practice. It's not a diet. It's not a it's not a cleanse. It's not a detox program. It's not uh, anything like that. It is a daily practice, and and that's the mentality you have to take. And so a lot of times that it, it, health is coming actually from not eating. Right? That's when your gut repairs. So not, not starving yourself, but going for longer periods of time without eating. I mean, a lot of people are snacking all day. That's kind of an addiction to food, and it's 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 one of the most detrimental things you can do for long-term health. So, you know, there's a lot of practices throughout the day. Drinking uh, good, clean water is another very critical one, I think. Um, and that's a it's always a loaded uh, topic, but um, you know. The thing for people, I think if you can get good spring water in a glass jar, it, it, here's the easiest tip. If you go to the grocery store and you're buying water from a grocery store, um, getting it in a, get whatever you can that comes in a glass bottle. That's generally the easiest way to determine if it's a good, clean source of water. If it's, if it's coming in a glass bottle, it's probably a really good source. Um, you know, if you're, if you're drinking water out of the tap at home, probably not the greatest. There's a lot of nasty stuff in that that, um, unfortunately is not really disclosed these days. Um, so I, I wouldn't recommend drinking out of a tap. Even water filters at home are tough. Um, but otherwise, reverse osmosis is another good source um, of water because it's clean. Uh, you shouldn't be worrying about pH. You shouldn't be worrying about um, if it's got uh, minerals in it. You're not, you're, your goal isn't to get minerals from water. Your goal is to get good, clean water. That is the most important thing these days. So the more water you can drink, um, the better. And if you live in a sunny area, go go in the sun, um, you know, as, as much as you can on a weekend, weekday. The sun's not going to kill you. It's, it is the source <laughs> of all life on this planet. And it's, I, I'm, I, I get it. People are, we were, I mean, I was, we were all grown up thinking that, you know, you got to stay out of the sun. you got to fear the sun, especially, you know, us, us white people. <laughs> I've got fair skin. I burn easily. So I was uh, schooled early to, to stay out of the sun and, and sort of fear it. Uh, but it's not going to kill you. Just don't get, don't get burned. So get out in the sun. If you're in a cold environment, go out in the cold. Believe it or not, cold is a very, very, very good thing for, for human health, for longevity, for anti-aging, for recovery, for dysfunction. Um, cold thermogenesis is a very common technique these days in the health field. Um, but even just that seasonal uh, cycle of, of temperature change is very, very important. So, um, again, integrate with your environment. But I would say those are some pretty pretty key areas uh, on a daily basis that, that I try to incorporate. I'm curious on your th- uh, with your thoughts on sleep. Do we really need eight hours? Um, it, it's going to change. So, um, 
older people tend to sleep a little bit more. Um, their their circadian rhythm actually shifts. Um, they they sleep. They tend to get tired a little bit earlier and will wake up a little earlier. Um, kids tend to actually sleep. And I say I say kind of kids. It's, it's generally when you get to like six, seven, eight, and, and older, they actually sleep less usually. Um, but it, it, to be honest, it's whatever you need. Um, it's there is no there's no rule. The, it, the, the sweet spot is you know statistically it's about six and a half seven hours, um, but I don't think it's about the number of hours. To, to me, it's actually more about matching the light cycle. So in the winter, you know, if you're in a northern climate or, or you, you know you're a little bit more northern, your your seasonal variation is going to be greater, right? Um, mm-hmm. So in the winter, it's actually okay to sleep less. And if you go back and look at um, historically kind of, you know, Alaskan and Inuit populations, during the winters, you know, the really, really long uh, dark cycles, they wouldn't do much. They, they would be resting most of the day. And when I say resting, they're kind of sitting around. They're not doing a lot. Um, they would sleep a lot. In the summer, they would get tons of work done. They would do all the work. And so, you know, it's not that's not really possible these days, but it just shows you that, that there is a seasonal – uh, rhythm to all this. And so, you know, in the winter, it, it may be okay to sleep a little bit more, but, but that's the most important thing, I think, to me, is matching your light cycle. Um, so, if you're sleeping six and a half, seven hours, I think that's probably good for most people. Um, anything beyond that, you know, the statistics show that if you're sleeping nine or more, then it tends to uh, correlate with less healthy individuals. Um I don't like correlations because they're not really telling you anything. Um, they just give you an idea of maybe what to look for. But so yeah, I wouldn't hold a lot of weight to that. But don't measure things in hours in terms of sleep. It has to be. It's got to be function. You know, are you sleeping, um, or are you starting to sleep when the when the sun is going down? You know, that's when you should start to wind down your day. Doesn't mean you go to sleep when the sun goes down, but you should be, you know, getting rid of the. Uh, overhead lighting, you know, you should not be getting exogenous sources of light in your eyes at that point. Um, you should be starting to wind down. You should go to sleep. When you wake up, you should feel refreshed. If you're not, something is wrong. So so that's really the key. It doesn't matter how many hours. It's do, Are you feeling refreshed in the morning? Are you waking up ready to go? If you're not, then there's something going on that needs to be uh, investigated. For sure. I noticed, like, some of the things you said there, yeah, wintertime, I mean, I'm a little further north in Pennsylvania, so we do have more that seasonal variation. And, yeah, wintertime, I'm sleeping. I'm enjoying it. Uh, just hunting yeah. down, staying underneath the covers because uh, it's going to be dark. Uh, but summertime, I realize, like, I, I'm, like, bolt out of bed. I mean, early, like, sometimes, like, 4.30. Uh, I mean, generally by 5 o'clock, but just because, Hey, the sun's coming up. Like, I'll walk out. I'll be watching it. I was watching it this morning. Uh, we can still see it peaking, uh, that light popping up, even like quarter to five right now, and I'm ready to go. Right, right, and and that's the thing. I mean, this is this is the these are some of the things that I that I research and I get into. Um, and, and it's hard because they're not all applicable for today's environment, but it's important to understand um, how the body works. If you're if you're in the summer and you're Waking up with the sun, you're outside most of the day, um, you know, whether it be in the shade or actually directly in the sun, you're actually absorbing those that light energy. And that does a lot of things to our physiology and, and our biochemistry that allows us to get more energy and, and basically stay up longer. Um, so that affects us and, and will allow us to synchronize naturally with that. During the winter, interestingly, even the cold will actually – manipulate our physiology. So mm-hmm. if you're in Pennsylvania in the winter and it's a cold day and you lived like we might have lived, you know, a couple hundred or thousands of years ago, you're actually getting exposed to that cold. Cold turns on um, various hormones and upregulates things like thyroid hormone. It upregulates uh, adrenaline, noradrenaline, testosterone. Um, so, you know, the cold actually serves as a function in ways too. And so we've got to just understand that Temperature matters in this whole thing. Um, and, you know, staying inside our 68-degree indoor environment 
um, all year round, all day long, is not a healthy practice. So, um, yeah, just just understanding that there is seasonal variation, that, that they are good things for the body, and they do actually impact you on a physiological and cellular level. You just sparked a couple things for me because I always um, – my office, when I, when I wake up, is well lit. Like, it's it's facing east. I can see the sun as it's coming up and stuff. But I still have that barrier uh, where I think I'm going to just start taking – because I always start off uh, with a little bit of writing first thing in the morning. And when I say writing, uh, like actually using a pen and paper. Uh, <laughs> I think yeah, I'm going right. to have to go take the dogs outside uh, and just sit where I do my Tai Chi uh, at night and just do the same thing because I, I always – I, I, I don't know why it never really popped in my head until right now. Like I was, I was always getting that visual exposure to it, but again, the glass is still going to be affecting that. Uh, where here, I can just immediately step outside, and even if it's for five, ten minutes, summer, winter, doesn't really matter. I can get that not only the light but the temperature variations as well. Absolutely, and, and I mean, it, it sounds very minor, right? I mean, we were not when we talk about health. Most of the world is talking about food and it's and exercise, but yeah. This is really what where health comes from, right? And um, it's it's why I, I love what you're putting out because it comes from these various um, sort of minor sources. We think of you know, but but you're, you're right. I mean, just getting outside. Look, if you're a writer or, or or any sort of creative person, going outside and and doing that will in, will increase your creativity tenfold. I mean, if you got writer's block or you can't you know, you're getting stuck with something, going outside in the sun, in the cold, whatever, will increase your ability to uh, cognitively function. Um, and it's amazing. I mean, just go for a walk in the morning. You're going to come up with ideas left and right. It's crazy. It's crazy. So yeah. um, the, the sun, and, it, and it's, it's, it's critical because sun, the sun impacts your brain via your eye. Your eye is the window into the hormonal release, right? So we take these rays, and the sun is full-spectrum sun. It's full-spectrum light, okay? The light inside from a light bulb is not not even close to full-spectrum. The incandescent bulbs that we used to use that were so, quote-unquote, energy inefficient um, actually contained parts of the spectrum that we need. That's why they were, quote-unquote, inefficient, because they contained, you know, more of the red spectrum and, and purple spectrum and these type of things, that they're now taken away in these new fluorescent crazy bulbs that we use. So getting that full spectrum sun, yeah, it's not a good thing. Um, I, I, look, I'm a, I came from the mechanical engineering world, so I have the physics of light and all these things are very much my, my world. So um, when I started learning about some of this stuff, it's like, wow, that, that's crazy uh, because the, the sun contains the perfect spectrum, right? It is the perfect spectrum that we've – that our biology – that our genome has come to understand. It's a language that our genome understands. The light bulbs in our house, our genome does not understand that, okay? So um, those spectrums of light that you get from the sun, even in the morning, even if there's clouds, whatever, um, that will enter your, enter your eye. It gets translated from photonic signals, right? This is a photon, a little packet of energy that gets transduced into an electrical signal that talks to your uh, hypothalamus, okay, something called the suprachiasmatic nucleus, which is the master clock in the body. And that talks to the pituitary, which then releases all kinds of hormones. And that's a very simplistic overview, but that's essentially what happens. And so, so getting sunlight in your eye is critical, um, and you need all spectrums. And if somebody tells you that, if your ophthalmologist tells you that the sun is bad for your eyes, he's a little misinformed. I've actually had clients that have improved their eyesight, that have had to have their prescription lenses changed because they started going outside and taking off their glasses and getting sunlight directly in their eye. Yeah, that doesn't mean look at the sun and stare at the sun. That's ludicrous. But it just means allowing that natural sunlight to enter your eyeball. So if you have contacts, you know, the best thing you can do is take those out on occasion. Even if you can't see, just sit outside and, you know, allow that light to go to, to enter your eye. That will improve your eyesight to some degree. Um, or it will maintain it longer, so it won't, you know, degrade as fast. So, um, you know, you look at actually in in Japan, they've got a really, really big problem with myopia. 
So myopia is basically the lens is changing its shape um, and causing problems with eyesight. And the reason is because they're staring that, that society is, is based around technology from a very, very early age, even more so than the U.S. is. And so you've got these kids from a very early age staring at computer screens, which are blasting them with this blue light, right, an imbalanced spectrum of light. And this blue light carries a lot of energy that is very damaging to, to, the, to the eye if it's, in, uh, if it's in abundance. And so you look at a computer screen all day long, which is at a fixed distance, you know, tons of blue light, that's really, really damaging. And so your eye, your eye is going to get, uh, it, it's going to basically change because of that. And so we, we need depth, you know, perception. Our, we need differences in our depth, uh, in our visual depth. So we, getting outside, kids being kids outside, best thing that you can do. Again, it's going back to the same things, right, getting outside. So these are these are the things that we've got to understand as a society as we move forward. You know, it's not that technology's bad and that we can't progress. We just got to understand that there has to be a balance. We've got to get back out, do some of the things that we've always been doing, um, or else we're going to suffer consequences. I mean, Japan is—I think it's ninety percent of the population is myopic. That's wow. a problem. Yeah, it's a huge problem. So, you know, in in some of these other countries like India. Um, China, they have rapidly expanding, uh, I think they're the fastest growing societies for type 2 diabetes and insulin resistance. And it's because they're moving inside. Um, you know, the, these are societies that have, con- that have been eating carbohydrates for a long time. That's part of their natural kind of historical diet, which mm-hmm. is okay if you're outside and getting sun. But as soon as you move inside um, and you're getting artificial light and you're getting out of the natural light, then you start to cause problems. So I just kind of opened a Pandora's box there, but but the point (laughs) is is that, you know, getting outside and and understanding the value of that, as simple as that sounds, is the most important thing you can do and not overthinking it. Just get outside. Yeah, I don't know where I want to start now. Uh, No, because... (laughs) Okay, one one thing I want to point out. You recently had a blog post that came out uh, about, like, uh, Flux and the iPhone with the blue light spectrum. Yeah. Uh, so I'm just going to tell people, make sure you go check that out because the way that you simplified it and just showed even some of the pictographs there were using the spectrum made it so easy. I mean, it was it was very relatable. Like, you're, like, looking at this like, wow, okay, now now I get this. Like, this makes sense. Uh, so thank you for sharing that with everybody. But I, I do want to open up Pandora's box because I'm I'm curious about your opinions on that. Going with the whole carbohydrate, but also versus like uh, ketogenic diet is becoming very sure. big now. Is sure. do you think that the ketogenic diet is meant to be maybe used for more people? Okay, for those people where all right, I know I'm going to spend sixty hours a week sitting in front of my computer because that's the type of person that I am. Is the ketogenic diet going to be for that type of individual versus somebody who's working outside, who's doing physical labor uh, and gets all of that uh, broad range spectrum of light, uh, hot, cold, are they going to be just more tolerant to those carbohydrates then as well? Yeah, it's, and that's, that's a, it's a very good question. It's loaded. Um, The, the thing that you're going to find is the ketogenic diet will generally be a good route to go for for many of us that are stuck in our modern environment. So to answer your question, yes, you're going to find that that will work well. It's not an ultimate solution. It's kind of a patch. Um, mm-hmm. It it's 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 the in other words, it's the least harmful given the crappy environment that you're stuck in. Your environment is the most important thing, okay? The, the diet that you eat is ideally going to synchronize with that environment, but ultimately it's the environment that, that determines your health. Um, so trying a ketogenic diet will, will work for many people in that circumstance. It, it will not work forever. In other words, it, it's going to con- it, there, it, there will be manifestations of dysfunction at some point if if you don't fix your environment um, that you're in. And so, um, 
you know, in studying aging and anti-aging techniques and and how the body ages, there's it, it doesn't really come down to carbohydrates and fats and proteins to to a large degree actually. Um, it, it goes down into the cell. So there's certain stressors. There's certain there's there's biological distress, right? And then there's hormetic stress, which is a good stress, right? That's kind of like working out, or it's kind of like um, even turmeric and and uh, ginger and some of these things. These mm-hmm. plants actually contain these phytochemicals, which are actually a stressor um, to our at the cellular level to us. But they are such a small stressor, and they're impacting our cells at, uh, at such a small degree that it's actually a beneficial response that we get from them. So same thing with coal. Same thing with sunlight. Sunlight is radiation, right? It's a, it, 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 at the end of the day, it's radiation. But in finite amounts, it's a very, very good hormetic stress. Even things like, um, you know, Fukushima and all that crap, if you get that kind of radiation um, at, the, at very, very small levels, it's actually a hormetic stress uh, and very it can be beneficial. So this is this is what I study. It's it's the hormetic stresses that that, that benefit us and that, in, that contribute to um, longer life longevity versus the biological distress, right? And so the best thing you can do is limit biological distress. So in terms of the diet, the best thing you can do is limit your calories. So if you can be at a slight calorie deficit, and, and I don't even like to use the word calorie, it's just a, it's just a unit that most people understand. Um, mm-hmm. But in other words, you don't eat, you don't overeat, okay? So, so limiting your food intake to a reasonable amount that, that will be the one of the best things you can do for for longer uh for, for longevity. Um using things like intermittent fasting, same thing. That is one of the most profound benefits that you can realize. Um is is giving yourself a typically sixteen to eighteen hour window of not eating. Um so those are more important, I think, than the things like carbohydrates and ketogenic diets and these type of things. I mean, ketogenic diets, in my opinion, are more of a therapeutic approach to some sort of dysfunction. You'll never, prior to this modern society, there really weren't extreme examples of ketogenic diets being used by natural societies. They just don't exist. In fact, most of them are actually plant-based, contain a lot of foods that we think of as harmful or not beneficial, things like rice and beans and corn and mm-hmm. um, these type of things. I mean, for a long time, and even still today, you know, there's societies, natural societies that use these foods in very abundant forms. And yet there's other societies that use a lot of fish and root vegetables and these type of things. So diet can change. Um, and if you look at the blue zones, the diet is, is wildly different. Um, so in my opinion, Diet needs to reflect your local environment, okay? It needs to be used. Um, it can't be used in abundance, so, so don't overeat. It's got to be natural. And the more that kind of intermittently you can use it, the better. And, and that's, the, that's the simplest way I can, I can give you that answer because diet should change for people. And there, there are no bad foods. Um, there's only negative reactions because of dysfunction. Um, and uh, you can say also due to kind of crappy foods that we've come up with. So, you know, things like dairy these days is a pasteurized A1 casein uh, protein that, that we get as opposed to a an unpasteurized, you know, raw A2 casein, mm-hmm. which is drastically different. Um, you know, things like uh, the eggs and the egg whites that we, that we eat. The egg proteins come from chickens that are eating all kinds of crap as opposed to their natural diet, which is mostly bugs and seeds and these type of things. So, you know, the quality of food matters. That's number one. And then, you know, just restricting that to a reasonable amount and hopefully eating where, where, you're, where you're at to your local environment. And I think that's that's those are the most important things. 
um, trying to go ketogenic or cyclical ketogenic or Atkins or, uh, you know, high-fat ketogenic. I mean, there's just so many variations, you know, vegan, vegetarian, and pescatarian. I mean, good Lord, th- these are creations by modern society. <laughs> this is not how, you know, these aren't, this isn't how natural cultures think about food. We are We have a weird obsession with food here in the United States and in the Western countries, and it's due to this crazy environment that we set up and basically the money that comes from, you know, the glorification of diet. Um, diet is not the be-all end-all. In fact, diet cannot cure disease, and Hippocrates never said, let food be thy medicine. Um, as much as I used to believe that he did and used to think that food was kind of the, the be-all end-all, it's, it's not. And... Um, in fact, Hippocrates actually made the determination and the distinction that food is not medicine and that there is medicine and food and there is food. And when you have a dysfunction or disease, one of the best things you can do is take away food and use medicine. So there's important things to understand about diet. And one of them is that it's not as critical as we're making it out to be. It's, it's not as therapeutic as we're making it out to be. Jason. That was amazing. Uh, first of all, thank you for all that. No, and, and I, I want listeners to understand that there was a lot, like, that was put so simply uh, that it, it, it should not be uh, overlooked either. Um, where, I mean, I'm just blown away by the last thing. Like, Hippocrates not saying that. I've always been told that that's, he was the person that said it. Right. It's one of those things. Yeah. I, I, I always try and question things, but there are certain things where I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. Somebody so-and-so said that. It must be true, right? Uh, so, first of all, wow. Uh, but and let, me, and let me expand on that, too, because please, functional please. medicine, it, you know, and these are, these are my colleagues and people that I really respect, um, is still it, a lot of the most advanced uh, physicians and medical professionals out there are still promoting food as medicine. And, yes, we need to make dietary changes. Yes, we need to understand that food matters, right? I mean, it's one of the most critical components of our environment that we can interact with. But I have people coming to me on autoimmune paleo diets, right? And they can't Mm -hmm. get rid of their autoimmunity, right? I've got people coming to me as vegans. In fact, a lot of my clients used to be vegan at one point. Um, You know, I've got people coming from, from every diet you can imagine, and they're not finding a resolution to their problems. So the answer is not diet. Um... And part of the problem is that we have so much emotional investment in food, and it's so crazy to me. We need to eliminate that. We need to get rid of that emotion to food. Just eat real food that is hopefully local and do so on occasion. (laughs) You know, don't eat all the time. And food should be more about the community. It should be more about getting together with people. It should be basically an excuse for us to come together and be amongst other people. That's really what it should be about. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to kind of leave that for you as well. Yeah, because I, I, I and I agree with you. I, I think food is still tremendously important for us. Like, it still isn't something that can just be completely overlooked. Yeah. But at the same time, there's a lot more to it than that. Uh, so yeah. taking that into account, okay, food is going to be an integral part of health. Yes. If you take care of that part, if you, if you, if you think that that's going to solve everything, again, like you said, I think you'll probably be sorely mistaken. Uh, exactly. So yeah. that's, uh, that's a big takeaway, I think, for people that, don't don't overlook it, but don't solely focus on it. Look at all of the other aspects. It's not going to be yeah, yeah. It's not going to be your ultimate answer. Um, the, the 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 best thing about making dietary changes, and again, this goes back to the anti aging concepts. You're removing distressors. You know, you're removing that that biological distress. So if you can go to organic instead of non organic, right? You're getting rid of the pesticides, the fungicides. You're, you're getting rid of some of that stuff. It's not complete, but but you're moving in the right direction, right? If you can eat real foods instead of processed foods, you're getting rid of some of the, the garbage that comes along with that. So just understand that the, the more dietary uh, progress you can make in terms of real food, um, then you're going to remove the distress 
you know, yes, there's some vitamins and minerals and nutrients and these type of things, but those, you know, we need those, but at the end of the day, um, they're not really going to resolve your your current issues. So it's more about um, getting a variety of foods, I found, and it's about moving to a food source that is going to eliminate that biological distress. So so that's the that's the key there. So Jason, I want to shift gears uh, a little bit and just ask some questions just almost to get to know you a little bit here too. Mm. Uh, who in history would you most like to have met? Oh, that's easy. Um, Nikola Tesla. I, I figured been, you were going to say that. No, because I, I heard you on uh, Rebel <laughs> House Tread podcast and you mentioned <laughs> Tesla before. So let's, I, I do want to dive into Tesla a little bit. Share, share a why, please. Uh, t- Tesla, in my opinion, was the most underestimated genius um, of of the recent time. I mean, people think that, that we credit Edison for, uh, you know, some of the advances in electricity. Uh, it was Tesla. Um, in fact, Edison and Tesla kind of were at, at odds, and, and oh, Tesla yeah. was really the one that understood things um, better. Um, Tesla was... Uh, in my opinion, very spiritual um, in terms of he had a profound connection to um, sort of amazing creation. He, he, was, he was able to just visualize things and solve problems by visualizing them. And he didn't care about money. Um, he, he just cared about providing. Um, all, all he really wanted to do was make everybody life easier around the world. He didn't care about anything else. He wanted to advanced technology, particularly in terms of electricity, so that everybody was given an equal shot. He was about equalizing the entire planet. Um, unfortunately, people, you know, the financiers at his time, people like, you know, Westinghouse, J.P. Morgan, um, and, and some others, didn't really like that, right? They had financial <laughs> to, to keep, you know, energy in control. And that's what it was about. So his work got suppressed. You know, a lot of his papers got stolen after he died. Um, and they're still kind of locked up somewhere. Nobody really knows what's in them. I mean, in my opinion, he was infinitely more intelligent than Einstein um, because he understood the, the, the bigger picture, I think. And unfortunately, I don't know that we'll ever know what was truly going on in that, in that guy's mind. Um, but, but to me, he was so fascinating, um, and he had everything working against him, and yet he was able to accomplish so much. And I think at some point, history will will finally recognize him for what he really brought to the table. Um, he wanted to make everybody equal and wanted to make everybody better, and that's to me, that's like that's what it's all about. Jason, what are you most excited about right now? We're at a, I think we're at a really fascinating time. If you if you listen to guys like Ray Kurzweil and you know the singularity and these type of things, these ideas that are that that technology and, and humanity are going to kind of oddly merge into this final singularity kind of concept, um, and then you look at the massive awakening of consciousness um, from a uh, kind of a an organically spiritual level, um, you know, uh, plant medicines are making a comeback. Um, the internet is connecting everybody. Um, it, it just feels like things are swirling to a, to some something that's going to happen within our lifetime. I just feel like there's there's so much possibility right now, um, and it's amazing. You know, when I was talking about my research, you know, to try to figure out my health conditions in 1999 or 2000 or whatever. I mean, you could barely, you know, we were still doing, you know, instant messenger chats and what have you, and like, I mean, it was just, and that wasn't that long ago. And we've made an insane amount of progress. And knowing that technology doesn't doesn't progress linearly, but rather exponentially, um, it's just fascinating to think where we're going to be in 20 years. Um, and, and so <laughs> I, I'm excited for the crazy possibilities. There's going to be a lot of crazy shit that comes about. There's going to be a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of destruction probably. But I think there's going to be a lot of very, very good things to come 
um, as I think there's going to be some sort of renaissance. I, I don't know how it's going to manifest. I don't know what it's going to involve, but things just feel different than they ever have. And then when you look at history, um, you know, it just feels like this is there's something coming in the next, you know, number of years, and it's just exciting to be a part of it, right, and, and witness it. I, I think that's uh, certainly quite exciting. Uh, just, I want to respect your time. A uh, couple last questions in closing here. What is your biggest struggle when it comes to maintaining your health currently? Good question. Um, I would say it's fighting the the current environment. I mean, you know, to do to, I, I I left a career in mechanical engineering and to, to pursue a career in health and to um, give myself freedom to work for myself, um, which sounds really great, except for the fact that, you know, the way that I've set up my business involves a lot of technology. And that's where a lot of health destruction comes from. This is one of the biological stressors that um, that we experience, things like Wi-Fi and, uh, you know, cellular signals and Bluetooth um, and the blue lights that are coming from all our gadgets. Um, this is this is a biological distress at the most profound level. It's the worst kind. And my struggle is trying to be able to disconnect from that stuff enough to uh, limit that distress and also still do what I love to do and accomplish what I'm trying to accomplish, which is to spread the message of health and where it comes from. So there's an odd paradox, which is, you know, a big part of my message is to get away from technology and get outside, and yet I've got to use technology in order to accomplish that. And so I think a lot of people can probably relate to that, that, that there's this idea yeah. that there's this idealistic way that we can live, but at the same time, it's not really how our environment's set up. So, it, you know, for me, it's just been about acceptance and letting go and allowing that to be what it is um, and doing what I can to mitigate that, you know. And that's, I think, all you can ask for of yourself and whatever situation that you're in. You're, you're not going to be able to live this perfectly healthy, long life um, that some people in other in other parts of the world are able to do. But it doesn't take away from the quality of life that you can have, and it doesn't take away from um, your ability to, to try to mitigate that and to be okay with it. I think the more you stress about it, the more it's going to, you know, compound that effect. So for me, it's it's about trying to find a, a good balance knowing knowing that, that this stuff is damaging my body. So who would you want to hear on this podcast and what would you either want to ask them or hear them talk about? Oh, man. Um, I think uh, who would I want to hear? Uh, I, I, you know who I like is um, I actually love Jason Silva. Um the host of the brain games and, and some of the other shows. He's kind of deep in yeah. philosophy. He's got these little two-minute things he does, the shots of awe, I think, on, on YouTube. Um, but he's, he's in love with technology, and he thinks it's kind of this he's, – he's enamored by the possibilities that come come with it. So, um, I, you know, I would love to either chat with him about the philosophy of, of technology and, and, you know, the perils and pitfalls and possibilities of, of what's coming and how we um, – sort of the philosophy side of that. So, I, I mean, I've been fascinated with him. I, I'm trying to get him on my podcast to talk about that very thing. Um, I really want to hear his uh, his ideas on that. And in closing, uh, I want to remind everybody, well, I was going to say, where can we find more about it? Uh, but, yeah, definitely go check out Jason's podcast here. He's had some pretty cool guests on that dive into some – I like the topics that you've covered. Let's put it that way. Like, it's been – uh, a big enjoyment for me. Uh, so I just want to put that out there. So make sure uh, everybody go check out, uh, for sure, you optimize radio. But, Jason, where else can everybody find more about you then, too, please? Yeah, they can find me uh, on my website, which is jasonperl.com. Um, that's where you can you can find links to uh, to the podcast that I have, which is You Optimized Radio. Uh, they can find my blog there, which I I try to contribute to, but I just flat out don't really like writing. Uh, I'm more of a, of a talking video type of guy, so um, so it's it's kind of sporadic there. But um, you can find me on Facebook as well at Jason Prawl, and uh, those are pretty good ways to get in touch with me. But um, 
but you know, I, I think this is the this is the great part. Um, I've had a blast doing my podcast, and you can you know, it's really cool how many ideas and people you can get on to express their thoughts on this type of thing. And um, and your podcast, uh, you know, the one the, the episodes that I've heard have been great. I know some of the people that have been on them, and um, and the type of info that they talk about. I mean, this is the cool thing these days, right? It is people like us that are able to get on and spread this uh, this positive message. And I think this is the revolution that I'm talking about. This is how it happens, right? It's it's just people getting on, sharing their ideas, and and really finding a community um, that that is like-minded, so that we can move forward. Um, there is no longer control of media, and we get to have a voice now. And um, so, anyway, I, I'm, I appreciate what you're doing. Um, I thank you for what you're doing, and, and also for having me on. It's it's uh, it's always a blast. Excellent, Jason. Everybody, make sure go check out JasonPaul.com, the blog, the podcast, everything that he has to offer over there. Great stuff, Jason. Again, thank you very much for your time today. Absolutely, thank you so much. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to head over to BarenakedHealthPodcast.com to get your top 10 world-class nutrition tips from the experts to help you simplify your health journey. While you're there, go to my calendar and schedule a 15-minute call so we can discuss what is your biggest struggle when it comes to maintaining your health. Also, if the show has helped you out in any way, please head over to iTunes to give the Bare Naked Health Podcast a positive comment and a five-star rating. This really goes a long way in getting the word out with how simple health can be and helping to share the podcast with others.